Today's episode of Found Down is brought to you by Unwound Retreats. Unwound Retreats offers fun events and travel experiences for nurses locally and internationally. Founded by me, Nicole Johnson, ICU nurse and host of the Found Down podcast, I provide opportunities for nurses to practice self-care, learn, and travel together. These last two years have been brutal in healthcare, and why not give yourself the gift to unwind, learn, and grow? Previous guests have loved the experiences, especially because you can just show up and know that everything will be taken care of. Unwound Retreats is offering exciting and luxurious retreats in Morocco and Mexico. Go over to unwoundretreats.com and sign up to get on the email list so you can find out more. Welcome to the Found Down Podcast. This is a podcast of untold nursing stories that are sometimes hilarious, dark, insane, and anything in between. As a warning, this show is rated E and is mature in content. It often deals with the reality of life and death and how we as nurses intersect with that on a regular basis. If we laugh, it's not out of disrespect. We love what we do and have every intention of continuing to do so. With that, enjoy the show. So I'm going to go ahead and light the candle to just um, ease into this space. Um, And um, if it's okay with you, I just have a singing bowl. Oh yeah. Just a moment of silence. Hmm. And then you, is that okay? Yeah, I love it. A quiet mind and a calm heart make fruitful thinking. A quiet mind and a calm heart make fruitful thinking. Yes, this is the Found Down Podcast. Um, I am, I, oh, that's just so beautiful. Um, you know, it's just set, like, just so settling. Like, you're helping us arrive here. Ah, wow. Um, I am so stoked because I have Paul Benz with me today and with you all. And Paul is, he's, he's an interesting guy. He is a spiritual care provider. Um, he's a King County based mental health addiction, grief and trauma chaplain of the ELCA, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Don't, he says, don't get scared. Don't worry about that. We'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> Paul is also a street minister from the Operation Nightwatch and his spiritual care provider chaplain for a level one trauma center in Seattle. He also works at Downtown Emergency Services Center, DESC. Um, and I want to say a little bit about some of the work that I see our spiritual care providers do. And oftentimes they they go to every code. They sit with families who are impatient. They sit with patients who are dying and families of patients who are dying, and they do probably all kinds of things in between that I have no idea about. But they offer these families a lot of solace and also patients and staff, I think, sometimes, right? But um, we, 
I brought him on the show to sort of talk about this work that our spiritual providers do, and we walk with them adjacent. We work with them, but we're not always like, sometimes I feel like it's so busy. Like I don't get to like actually sit and talk. So I am just so stoked to have you here, Paul. Um, welcome to the show. And how are you? Um, I'm really grateful. I'm grateful um, to you and our, our friend Katrina, who kind of gave me this uh, space. Um, I'm sharing this space with a lot of people who aren't here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so I'm grateful and, and hopeful. Um, yeah. <laughs> we only have an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> And so, and and today you're okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, as you were introducing me, I was just like, oh my gosh, I have to grab this thing. It's going to take like two seconds. So I'm going to just like, here we go. I'm back. I'm back. I love it. Um, Right. So um, what I grabbed was, a uh-huh. little, Your badge. So it's, a, it's a badge that goes on our little lanyards. I think every, uh, I think every healthcare worker or someone who's worked in a hospital knows like we have these ID cards and there's a bunch of stuff on them, uh, namely like our picture and what we do so that we can like get into the building. Um, and the spiritual care card um, just briefly introduces um that nurse or doctor or respiratory therapist or whomever it is carrying this card to our service and our purpose in the hospital. Um, And so this is for the level one trauma center where I was a resident for um, like from 2020 to 2021. Uh, And it's where I still am a per diem uh, chaplain. And it says spiritual care, Um, culturally sensitive, spiritual and emotional support for all patients, families, and staff. Um, and it has our phone number um, at this level one trauma center in Seattle. There is always 24 seven on site, uh, a spiritual care provider. We're also known as chaplains. Um, the, the language there is very intentional. Um, there's a history of um, chaplain, chaplains often being like exclusively Christian. And while I am and try to be a follower of, of Jesus Christ, um, I recognize that uh, what we seek to provide is all inclusive and never exclusive. Mm. And so um, the title spiritual care offers a little bit more of that. And it also does not necessarily bring to mind like all of the different like stuff and ideas that people have about chaplains. Like, why did you call a chaplain here? I'm not dying. You know, that kind of stuff. Oh my God. That happens all the time. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, like a lot of people think like I'm the grim reaper and it's just like, no. <laughs> um, so, um, so yeah, very, very intentional uh, in that regard, but I'm also like happy to respond to Chaplain Paul, Pastor Paul, and um, I'm very honored by being called that by nurses that uh, that introduced me to 
uh, their patients and family. Um, on the back, we have like a little description of what we offer. Um, grief and family support, de-escalation, non-judgmental listening and reflection, hmm. prayer, ritual, referral to community clergy or practitioners, e.g. an imam, a monk, a priest, a rabbi, a shaman. Uh, when to refer, so this is like very much written like two nurses, when to refer, anytime someone could use extra care. Uh, even if you're not sure what they need, uh, chaplains are equipped to assess spiritual and emotional needs. When in doubt, please refer. Um, so while like the last thing we ever want to do is like to like give nurses one more thing to do or tell them how to do their job, we do kind of emphasize that, you know, if you are with a patient who really just feels like they need a good listening to, and you've got 50 other things that you have to do, give us a call. Don't worry about having to explain what spiritual care is. Just mm -hmm. give us a call. And what you, what is possible in that moment is the patient then has the opportunity to connect with another human being. Mm -hmm. um, and so like, yeah, like when in doubt, please refer. Um, specifically offered at this trauma center is uh, the No One Dies Alone program, mm -hmm. which is not as robust, sadly, during COVID as it was when we were allowed to have volunteers in the hospital. Yeah. Um, but essentially it's, you know, when a, when a patient moves to comfort care, um, the conversation comes up and oftentimes it, it involves family. Like, I just don't want to be alone when I die. Um, and if that happens, then we generate, um, a consult and that's a part of our every shift, like the on-call chaplain of the, uh, on, on the hospital it's a part of our like to-do list you know the, mm -hmm. the we're kind of like the on-call chaplain is the kind of like the charge nurse of the spiritual care department mm -hmm. um because it's a level one trauma center and they're like you know 400 almost 500 beds sometimes it feels like um we really triage and prioritize end-of-life care and if we have a nota patient that's a priority it's just like did this patient get a visit today you know wow. um, and we've got a whole list of things that it's just like, what will bring this person comfort? I cannot even imagine, but yet I can. Uh, like during the height of COVID when no family were, families were allowed, like, <sighs> I mean, how did you do that? How did you, how did your team do that? Like, um, if we talk about that, but yeah, like the how, <laughs> the how, you know, that's, um, in a lot of like, um, unit break rooms, you'll, you'll see like pictures where there's a strong culture on that unit. There'll be like pictures of what's your why. Mm -hmm. And then also like, what's your how, um, I think from a logistical standpoint, like with COVID, one of the things that really got ramped up, which was like the last thing that I didn't read on the card, um, which is uh, staff support. Mm. So we, we, we have been and, and continue to strive to be 
very intentional about the way in which we connect with um, nurses on the units mm. um, and the way in which we, as a department, um, tend to our own, um, our own well-being. Yeah. Because the whole thing with spiritual care it's a really weird job in, in some ways. Like we don't do diagnosis. Mm -hmm. We don't do like we do while we do develop um, a plan of care. Mm -hmm. We're not there to fix it. We're there for the stuff that you just can't fix. Yeah. And so by virtue of that, like we don't, while there are helpful questions that open patients and staff members up, there are no magic words. And so we bring ourselves you know, it's often called a ministry of presence. And so in order to, to do that well, in a way that's actually helpful and doesn't just like create, create more damage, um, we have to make sure that we're healthy. So that, that self-awareness <clears throat> is something that we cultivate in uh, CPE, you know, um, the, the hospital is a learning institution. So we do residencies and internships, and that's the majority of the of the chaplains that go into the rooms. They're all under uh, supervision. We're all under supervision. Like we've got, uh, yeah, I mean, like, like residencies are, you yeah. know, you look at that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, how is just, what can I do right now? Mm -hmm. And if I have to take a moment, claim that and do that. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you don't get to. Like there are some calls, there are some codes that you will literally spend several hours on without a break. Yeah. You know, so when you have to do that, you just do. Cause it's, you know, <laughs> um, right. um, but you know, when you don't, um, you have to claim that time and, and just kind of listen to the wisdom in the room from your colleagues, <laughs> from your <laughs> higher power, <laughs> from your family. Um, I am. What? Um, gosh, I have so many questions for you, Paul. <laughs> um, <laughs> what is your, like, what in this job, in this role, what is your favorite thing? Can you say, like, can you even say that? Like, what is the thing that you love so much about this work? And, and yeah, let's, yeah, let's just start there. Like, what, what do you, what do you love about this work? What brings you joy when you're, when you're in, in that role? When a patient or a, a family member or a staff member, um, says thank you in a way that you really only you can really only understand that kind of thank you if you watched this person um, go through something that no one would ever want to go through or or if you've held this person's hand as they've died or as they've um, said goodbye to their mom you know, their spouse, their child. Mm. It's, it's, it's weird, but it's one of those things that 
um, it makes you feel like you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Mm. Like it sounds a little corny to say like, it makes me feel alive, but um, you know, you, you definitely know when you're not phoning it in and, and, and nurses don't bullshit you, you know, yeah. People that have like, when you've had to live through the kind of trauma that, um, that the kind of trauma and death that we've seen um, during yeah. COVID, they don't bullshit you. Yeah. You know, and so those thank yous are, I guess, the, you know, yeah, those are the, those are the most meaningful. Um, there's something very unique about bringing in music and ritual mm-hmm. um, to end of life and to uh, traumatic healing. And sometimes you're the person singing and sometimes you're the person uh, being sung to or, or like holding that container. Yeah, those are, um, those are, those are, I guess that would be the two, like, if there's a favorite thing in that, in that. I know it sounds weird to say, ask that, but like, you know. Well, and it sounds weird to ask that because one of the things that I've learned and noticed about this, like, world where we're at, you know, end of 20th century, beginning of 21st century is that we at least here like in the industrial west um we shame pain we criminalize poverty and we move at such a pace where we don't we don't have time to do this yeah and this sends a message to people that they internalize that they are a burden and that they're taking too much time Mm. and that is literally killing us uh can you say more about that like in in what way is it killing us because we're not able to connect and we yeah yep yeah uh connection authentic connection takes time yeah um Um, authentic connection takes time and particularly when it comes to some of the ritual around death um, um, you know some of that is we're moving too fast and like oh my gosh we don't have time and some of it is honestly we've thrown out the baby with the bathwater. there has been so much um, harm done by institutional religion that we're just like, Oh, we're not going to do that anymore. And as a result, we encounter the moment of death and there's this, not all the time, but oftentimes there's this really weird, like, Oh my gosh, like something should say something, someone should say something. Or, or like, like some, there's like this feeling like, like something's supposed to happen right now. And that's, you know, that comes from one, us as a species, like we've always ritualized death. Like some of the oldest fossils in the world are like something special happens when someone is buried. You know, that's a part of our, that's a part of our like spiritual DNA. 
Um, oh my gosh. Fuck. <laughs> sorry. My, um, sorry. Is your, candle, is your candle lighting something on fire? No, 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 no. I just got a call from, um, I'm in recovery and, um, uh, I can also just, cut stuff out. No, no, no. Like, so someone was calling me and I was just like, ah, um, as a person in recovery, I get phone calls. That's a part of how I stay sane. And that's mm-hmm. a part of how I stay sober. That's a part of like, I think it's one of the questions in here. Like, what do you, Oh, <laughs> but, yeah. um, but sorry, I didn't want to like, we were on, we were in a really important place. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, death is ritualized and we need that. We need healthy death ritual. We really yeah. do. Like one of the big questions that I'll ask people sometimes when we meet, if I'm feeling like really uh, energetic is like, what's your death song? And people are like, whoa, why would you ask that? I'm just like, well, I'm a pastor, but I'm not like, um, I'm not that particular kind of pastor. I think the memory that sticks out is like me saying that to my mechanic. <laughs> he was just like, he was like, man, you know, if there were more priests like that when I was growing up, I might still go to church. Um, mm-hmm. But it's important. Like, what's your death song? You know, um, because it's something that's going to happen to all of us. And I think, you know, some some people don't need that. And that's okay. Like, we don't, that's, a, that's I, probably the most important thing about, what we do in spiritual care is that this is something that is rooted in consent. And it wasn't always that way. You know, there have been previous generations where it was really thrust upon people and that actually actively harms family and staff and then the actual, uh, the actual patient. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so we don't do that. Like it, you get, you get your, wish if we're doing our job right you get what you and sometimes your family want as far as your your end of life and often that looks like um everybody leaving you alone like and that's okay too you know like if what you want and you are self-aware enough to know like what i want in this moment of me crossing that great divide is solitude and that's okay. We're going to give you that. I think what's important is that you were asked, that it was offered to you. Because when we miss that, then we've missed like one of the most important, you know, human moments that there is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry. Uh, that's really insightful. And I think quite useful, tr- truly. Uh, well, I think first of all, you know, I think we, we as nurses, you know, we always, we want, we never want anyone to die alone. And we want our patients to have a beautiful death, the most wonderful passing over experience that they can have. Um, but like if they're lucid and able, like it's, it's okay to ask, like, what would you, what would you like at this time? You know, or maybe their family's present or, but I mean, anyway, it's just like, like you said, I mean, we oftentimes we don't know what to do or we don't know what to say. It's a learned skill, I think, to be okay with silence and to just, you know, ask and wait. I, I, I don't know. Like, it doesn't have to be, I don't know, th- this is a, like tuning into your emotional intelligence of like mm-hmm. reading 
the moment and also being acknowledging like we get as far as we know we get one entrance into this world one exit like it's a beautiful 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 thing yeah um do they yeah. do the pause at your hospital yeah we don't do it i think it got a little bit lost uh, during covid you know i think we could revitalize it and for the folks out there do, do you mind can you explain what the pause yeah is? um I, when I see, like, when I see this nurse in the trauma ICU, I always give her a big hug. And she has a position of leadership, and I don't remember what it's called. Like, you know, like, it's like, um, but um, among the, like, many conversations that we had during COVID um, was something that she brought up that, like, we learn about as chaplains in training then it was the pause. And so by virtue of her leadership and then our like also like, you know, jumping on and going like, yes, let's do this. We've got, we also have badge cards that we, um, and it's usually like, you know, in two West and the ICU places where they see a lot of death, but also the, like the ED and then um, in the, in the trauma ICU. But we try to make sure that all of our spiritual care providers <clears throat> are ready to do this because we all we're, we're required to go to every, every code. And so um, we respond to the code. We pay attention. Oftentimes no families there because COVID. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but we pay it, we try to pay attention. Uh, and it's like scary and intimidating because you've got all these like doctors and stat nurses, like, like hardcore people are just like, like, you know what you're doing. Um, but at that moment, um, you know, when time of death is called, if we have not been able to ascertain uh, from the family or from the patient, a spiritual preference, which would dictate the kind of prayer or song that's offered in that moment. Mm -hmm. If we don't have any of that, then this is what, this is what we say. And nurses are empowered to do this also. And I've been present when, you know, when I was just like, Hey, I, I told the nurse, I was just like, you've been bedside, like, go ahead and read this. And this is what we read after time of death is called. <clears throat> Everyone, before we leave the care of this patient, let's take a moment to pause and honor the person we have cared for. Whew. Jennifer is a person who was somebody's child. They were loved. They were important to others. And they were our patient whom we cared for compassionately and valiantly. Let's take a moment to recognize that now and to honor the life of Jennifer with a moment of silence. I'll keep time. And then like the seconds just pass like eternity and then I say, thank you everyone. And, um, or uh, me or whoever the person is. And, um, and I stuck Jennifer in there just cause I was like, oh, it says name in bold, but usually like, 
you know, when we explain that to someone, they don't really need to figure that out. They know what to do. But, yeah. um, wow. I feel like I need to um, definitely, or we could definitely reinvigorate that practice. Um, <laughs> it's so funny. I swear <laughs> to God, I am a happy person. I have like access to my emotions. <laughs> I always end up crying in the show. Well, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it's just so beautiful, you know, and um, it's just a really beautiful way to honor a patient and to sort of like, and there's data, I mean, you know, I like data um, that supports like the, the way that we can um, process death as healthcare providers. Yeah. We do it better if we can like I, name it, you know, acknowledge it. So, um, yeah, I, I think I'm going to, I think we, anyway, we definitely need to reinvigorate that practice where we are. We de we're really good about debriefing our codes after they yeah. happen, but like we can definitely be better about the pause. Um, it's, it's a really, it's one of the things that in my opinion, like the research that I've done and the experience, it's one of the things that can um, help us to um, process our own trauma and grief um, and reduce burnout because what we're doing is like, this is a really human experience. It's also like in a weird way, like messed up and we're in a lot of ways carrying the weight of a society that does not behave the way our ancestors did. We outsource death. Like, just sit with that for, we outsource death. Right. Human beings aren't supposed to do that. Like, you are supposed to wash the body of your dead loved ones. Like, that's human. Mm. So the fact that we've got, an, like, a, an institution, industry, whatever you want to call it, like, that we're the ones that have to do that, like, one... <clears throat> The family is deprived of that. Yeah. So there which is, is harmful. Yeah. And two, you've got a whole group of people that are like carrying around some some trauma that I don't know. Like, I mean, I didn't go to nursing school, so I don't know how much of that is like talked about going like, hey, you're gonna have to like carry some really like hardcore, like horrifying, like painful stuff. You know, um, because we're yeah. carrying weight that someone else would normally do in a more human <laughs> you know, like situation. Yeah. So no, we we don't really get we don't we don't get that. Yeah. Um, emotional preparedness. Um. Yeah, and it's so interesting. I'm just thinking about our ancestors. Like people would die at home, right? And they, I mean, they wouldn't go. I I mean medicine has evolved so much over the last 100 years, 100 years. Um, and I'd say probably 70 years, but people, what, so people would die at home with their family. Yeah. Um, perhaps the most, <clears throat> the most influential, like if there were a person or a group of people or a school of thought, would be what's kind of called a womanist theology. And that term was coined by um, Alice Walker, the writer of The Color Purple. And she 
often talked about a person named Howard Thurman, who like a lot of people don't really know about, but a lot of people do, um, who, um, you know, when you read his work, because his copy of Jesus and the Disinherited was a book that Dr. King carried around with him everywhere. Like he would, mm. he would just as likely have to have a, have a copy of that book as he would be the Bible. And Howard Thurman is a person, when you read his autobiography, he talks about bathing his father's, like walk, cleansing, washing the body after his father's death. Because Howard Thurman, his grandparents were enslaved, right? So he's of that generation. He was born in the 19th century, died in like 1981. But um, he came from a generation of human beings in this country that was much more connected to the human experience. Like, and that's a big part of it. Like, you know, we outsource death and that's not healthy. It's not healthy for the nurses that have to pick up all of this work. It's not healthy for any, it's not healthy for the families that, because you don't really get to grieve properly, you know, and when you don't really get to grieve properly, like you carry that crap around with you. You know, every action has an equal opposite reaction. And that holds true in so many, like in every, in every aspect of life. Hmm. You know? Is it because you think there isn't closure? Like you don't get to actually yeah. see, I mean, I don't know. I, I've had um, many patients over the years who have died. Um, some families stay watch them pass and then they sit with the body. But obviously they're not washing. Like I've had no family, zero family members ever like help with like, you know, yeah. what I'm even like fumbling over the words, like bathe them after yeah. do post-mortem well, oftentimes, care, I guess. Oftentimes they think they can't right. because human beings all have some kind of relationship with authority. And so at this incredibly oh, right. vulnerable moment, they're just like, what do I do? I don't know what to do. Like my dad just died. What do I do? Like, I don't know. Like I said, goodbye. Okay. I'm just going to go by now. Bye now. Like, you know, it's just like, yeah. Well, yeah. Because I mean, legally there is some weird thing, like, right. If they're the body, the patient has died now, they're a, yeah, know, I mean, a lot body of and then you, you gotta, it's, it's really like, it's weird. It's a, yeah. it's a legal, so as someone who, like, these are things that like, yeah, I went through a residency and I've gone through all of these didactics, but legally, I think a lot of it depends on the circumstances in which a patient died and what they, what their own um, requests are. Yeah. So sometimes that's really specific and sometimes mm -hmm. it's not. And when it's not, what's the default, mm -hmm. you, you know? Um, what uh, kind of access does a family have to, you know, their, their loved one once they've passed? Hmm. I was just thinking there are, there've been some really cool um, rituals or practices that I've learned about over the years that I feel like are kind of interesting. Um, and I didn't, I know I didn't even mention like that we could maybe talk about it, but I was just thinking yeah. like, I remember there was someone of Native American descent. Mm. I, I think they needed nobody to, and I'm sorry if I'm going to screw this up. I, I, this is from a memory from a while ago, but 
like, I think no one was to, um, touch the body until the morning or move the body until the morning. And then when it was light out, then they could move them because they, they weren't supposed to move in the dark. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> and these are all reasons that when at all possible, like let's create a space in a society where a human being has the opportunity to die in their own home or in the care of their loved ones where that kind of thing uh, can be honored because I call it a thing, but it's not a thing. Like that's a sacred ritual. Right. You know, and so, and, and most cultures had that. So what we're also seeing like is the death of a lot of like culture. It's just like, well, what do we do? It's just like, well, the fact that we have to ask that question, what do we do is a sign that a lot of like a lot of culture we've like killed. (laughs) Yeah. I know. I was like, well, what do (laughs) do we do? I mean, I've, I mean, yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. So reaching, yeah. reaching back into the practices of our ancestors and it's, mm-hmm. and you don't have, you really don't have to go that far, but you do have to take some time to do it. I think one of the things that I learned uh, as a Peace Corps volunteer in Uganda, one of the things that I've learned in spending time with the first nations people of, of North America, one of the things that I've learned in going back to my own, um, my own ancestral home in Norway and seeing the way that an elder um, dies and their body is taken care of and they have a funeral service in the church and then they're literally like transported, like whether it's a car or a horse and buggy, like two blocks down to the cemetery and the whole congregation lines up and sings to them. And then there's a final um, committal. This is where we, we commit the remains or the, or the, and at that point, all members of the community can greet and shake hands with or embrace members of the family who have all lined up. Like these are, because the, the, it's actually very, you know, there's a lot of similarity in, you know, village culture in Uganda where I, where I went. And so, it just takes time mm-hmm. to, you know, the, the time and the will to recover what it was that your ancestors did mm-hmm. and what's possible. Cause a lot of times where we're at, it's just like, okay, well, what's possible right now? Paul, how did you get into this work? Where, where were you when you're, you were like, Ooh, I, I'm being called to work for God. I'm, I don't know. Yeah. Or, or get into this spiritual place. Um, um, yeah. So the word vocation, we like words. Words are words powerful. Are, okay. Um, comes from the Latin vocare, which is like to call. So it's different oh. than like, oh, I've got a job. <laughs> you know, like, and it's even like there's something... For me, anyway, like some people might be, oh, that's really woo-woo and all that stuff. It's just it's what, whatever. It's true. But it's also the word. So what does it mean to be called, you know, to, to have like a higher purpose? Um, and, you know, for me, I, I grew up, I grew up in the ELCA. <laughs> I grew up, you know, my, 
Um, my dad is a pastor. He's still like, I should say he is a pastor. It's not like, you know, he got kicked out of the church or like you retire, <laughs> like, <laughs> but um, he's, um, he is an ordained pastor in the same church that I am. I haven't been ordained yet, but I, I probably will be. Um, but, and my mom was a social worker. She's a domestic violence advocate for like the last like 35 years. And she also went to seminary, but she went to seminary like with my dad and, and, you know, in the early eighties, some churches were like, yes, we're ordaining women and that's great. Um, and then, you know, some, sometimes you're even in the midst of that, you're like, well, this isn't necessarily what I want to do. And so her, her calling was, was domestic violence work, but it was very much a household in which priority was placed on what we call like the least, the little, the last and the lost. And um, because you ask that question, like, well, what got you into this work? <clears throat> um, I'll just read a little bit, if that's okay. Yes. Like, it's just a few. Okay. It's just a few. Um, <clears throat> uh, okay. So, and these are, this is like Jesus speaking. Um, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him. He will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separate, separates sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. The king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my creator, take your inheritance the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited, you invited me. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these siblings of mine, you did for me. Mm. Um, so I grew up with that. Our church, like our youth group would go. Um, Chaplain Nyer Ernest was a, a pastor in Seattle at Emmanuel Lutheran Church in the 80s, who when he retired from that job, he became a street minister. And he founded the Compass Center, which is still functions in Seattle today. Um, and we would go and like spend time with, with him. And that was a moment where I was like, oh my gosh, this is where Jesus is. <laughs> so, and of course, like, you know, if you, you like understand that God is everywhere, you can see God everywhere. Right. But in a, in a very pronounced specific way, like this is that verse, yeah. you know, whatever you do to the least of these, you do to me and like people in the hospital, like people on the streets, people in prison, 
that's the least, uh, the least of these in our midst. Um, and it's important to understand that this is not an act of like pity right? or like a confused way of like altruism, like I'm going to be better or I'm going to earn something because I do this. It's like, no, <laughs> it's understanding that um, I can never be what I'm meant to be until you are who you're meant to be. This is compassion, you know, whether you're talking about Desmond Tutu or the, or the Dalai Lama, like this is, this is what that is. It's recognizing that my own humanity is bound up with yours. I think it was Lilla Watson, the Aboriginal leader who said, if you've, if you've come uh, to help me, you're wasting your time. But if you've come because you recognize that your own humanity is bound up with mine, then let us walk together. Let us work together. And um, those early experiences kind of like, I guess they planted a seed. Cause like after I got sober and I was just like, ah, oh, you know, I think I need to, like, <laughs> you know, um, I think I just have to say, yes. You know, we use the, we use the, the story of Jonah and the Bible. Like Jonah was just like, I don't want to do this God. I don't want to do this. And you know, he ends up getting swallowed by a big fish and got, and he was finally like, ah, okay. All right, fine. I'll do it. I'll do it. Um, and so, so yeah, I went to seminary after, um, after serving in the Peace Corps and my first, um, some of my first experiences um, were with the San Francisco night ministry where again, like we had a church service, like on the streets, like at a BART station and then had a bit like food, not bombs, which is totally like not really a, a Christian organization came afterwards and brought like this big meal um, and people were able to eat and homeless people were able to share their story rather than listen to the preacher, like talk and give a sermon and so that was just like, oh my gosh, yeah, this is where, this is where Jesus is. And then uh, the way that we do seminary or graduate school for people going to be pastors in many, many churches and, and Roman Catholic parishes is you have to do a unit of clinical pastoral education. So you've got to go into a hospital and do all of these hours and really do a lot of that gnarly like self-reflection. And I did that at a level two trauma center um, here in Western Washington and some of the very early experiences were just like, oh my gosh, you know, I remember the person that I was shadowing, like just the, like the horrific trauma that, that happened on my first night of training, the, the, the chaplain I was shadowing was like, I've never seen it this bad. And I was just oh. like, wow. So that's like my first night. And it seemed to be that I was useful and helpful. It wasn't the situation that I went through and was like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. It was like, it was like, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's hardcore and it's intense, you know, but like, I mean, I could, I, I tried, I can't like sit behind a desk and do like nine to five like stuff. And yeah, it's not, I, and I like, and other things too, like I worked as a teacher for a little while and I spent like, you know, 40 hours a week with, with, you know, kids between the ages of like two and 16. And I was just like, Oh my gosh. Like, no way. <laughs> God, I won't beat somebody. No, God bless never, the never, teachers. Like, God, like, God bless you know, the teachers. You know? Yeah. Like when that's what your inner voice is doing, it's just like, okay, so you can't do that. Don't do that. Um, but the experiences that I had in the hospital were like, okay, this is, um, this is a deeply needed um, call or profession mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, like being the custodian of, of, of grief is another way. I've had another pastor describe it as that. And I was like, oh, yeah, 
Um, but yeah, and so when I finished when I finished graduate school, um, and my wife and daughter, I was learning how to be a husband and a and a father, and their needs were really really important to me, and so I applied for a residency because it didn't look like I was going to be able to employ it immediately as a pastor. And the residency that I did was here in Seattle. And, and um, it was really just kind of an affirmation that, um, I mean, and I never could have planned that, right? Like right. you, because I applied for the residency in December of 2019. So <laughs> I, I call those Holy Spirit moments. People are like, it's a coincidence. And I'm like, that's fine. You know, if that language works for you, cool. Um, but um, yeah, I call those God incidences and that's corny. I realize that, but hey, that's just kind of how I process. Like that's how things make sense to me. <laughs> I'm a simple person. <laughs> I love it. I mean, you're in the right place at the right time. That's it's a, like you said, it's affirming. Uh, yeah. Um, it's being at a level one trauma center because at the, at the outbreak, I was in a level three trauma center. Mm -hmm. And so it was scary, um, heart-wrenching, <laughs> uh, yeah. and like inspiring in ways that you would never ever want to be inspired. But because that's the moment in history that we were all kind of called into, it's like, well, you know, you yeah, can say yes to it. It was really, I'm sure you'll relate to this. It was really surreal driving into work with like no traffic and everyone else was at home. You know, God damn it. <laughs> you know, like, and um, God, I'm so sorry. No, that's, <laughs> that's what this is. This is also a spiritual care visit in case you haven't noticed. Like, you know, and no, you've been doing this on your own too. <laughs> I know. No, but like it was so surreal, like being the ones that would go in and, and we were like, you know, fighting this crazy um, illness, new virus, and everybody else was at home. Like um, just being being there, being in the hospital, yeah, it was very, very surreal. You know, like it was sometimes I was like, oh, this is so great. At least I can be around people, you know, like I love my coworkers, you know, like this is great. Like everyone else is to work from home and I can see all these people yeah. and, you know, um, but at the same breath being like, God, I hope I don't have to take care of someone with COVID-19 today because will I get it? Will I take it home to my family? Like, you know, like, would you go in the rooms when people had COVID? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I never, I never didn't do that. Right. Which you, oh, okay. I'm about, I was about to climb onto my soapbox and- then I was like, wait a second. You can do that. I just, I had many providers who wouldn't do that. So I, I just, I bless you. I'm thankful that you did. Um, I, and I honestly felt like there, I, well, this is judgy, but from my place, I felt like 
there wasn't a reason to not, you know, I mean, there was like, we didn't want an excessive number of people in the room. I get that. But like, if there was an actual indication to go in the room, then I felt like they should go in. Um, I believe in God. I believe that God gave us a brain and that we should use it. Yeah. And in this moment in history that shows up in following the science. Yeah. So, you know, I, my, my parents are, you know, in their late sixties, I have a daughter, I have a wife. Um, so I didn't want to get people sick. So what I did was I paid attention and followed directions. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, when there were people who would not like come in, I was like, that's okay. Because one, that's okay. Like you really just got to take care of yourself. And two, I was in a context where there was someone who could do that, where there was, you know, and oftentimes I was, I was one of those people or I was that person, you know, and like the level three trauma center ultimately, sadly um, got to a point in April of 2020 where both me, like there were only two chaplains in the hospital, me and my supervisor. And we were both like, you know, I was essentially let go, which I was, a, I was, a, you know, I, my internship was going to end no matter what, but um, the senior chaplain, like he was full-time paid staff. So like the fact that they let him go, it's just like, you know, um, but that's, I think that's a part of a larger conversation about the fact that healthcare shouldn't be a for-profit um, Yes thing at all like that's really really bad and and that's one of the horrible painful um pieces of carnage that's come out of this you know people have like lost their jobs hospitals have closed yeah which just doesn't make any sense no it doesn't make any sense during like the you know the global pandemic no yeah it doesn't make any sense oh um how do you metabolize some of this work that you do? You, you said container earlier, um, and I was interested to know if you create a container for um, how you, well, yeah, what you so do. So I, uh, part of our assessment in spiritual care is like in a nutshell, what's eating you and what's feeding you. Ooh. So... Being able to identify that and have language for that is really important. Um, and it's something that we have to do first as the provider. Uh-huh. So I remind myself that I am not a burden. I am not a burden. And as such, um, I claim time and space to, some people call it like a spiritual, like I would call it a spiritual practice as a, you know, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I would call it a spiritual practice, but you don't like, oftentimes when I'm having conversations with, with nurses, it's like, well, what's your how, you know? And so they'll be like, you know, I work out or I go into nature as often as possible. It's just like, yes. Or I cook, I spend, you know, time with my family, you know, healthy coping strategies. Um, So for me, that look like claiming that space is I pray. Mm. I also um, go into nature and exercise. You know, um, I read scripture, the Bible, and and, and poetry. Um, I do. I'm super intentional about time with my family, my wife and daughter. Like sometimes it's 
we're going to watch Moana tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I, um, you know, Nicole, like, (laughs) I, I sing. I sing. I see your guitar Uh, behind you there. Yeah. Yeah. I sing. My daughter sings. Like I go to church, like, thank God we're able to like go to church, you know, again, ours is a, is a community that um, a lot of us in the ELCA, like there's a certain amount of um, decentralized authority and and autonomy, um, which I like. And I've been grateful to have been a part of congregations that have like worshiped online. The last two Sundays, I was able to go back in person and to be able to be with other human beings and to pray Mm. and to sing. Mm. And um, yeah, so I, I sing. (laughs) Uh, Do you sing? Um, I'm like, like, do you sing whatever your favorite music is or do you sing Bible hymns or do you sing whatever comes to your brain? (laughs) Good. That's a good question. Yeah. Um, uh, sweet honey and the rock. Like I know I, I kind of refer to it's in your bio. It is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so sweet honey and the rock, like old church hymns. That's the music that my mother gave me that my ancestors gave me. Um, the old church hymns, Sweet Honey and the Rock, because that's oftentimes what I'll bring into patients' rooms and I'll yeah. sing to them if, they, if that's what they want, you know. Um, um, but yeah, like, I'm, you know, Bob Dylan, Nirvana, Johnny Cash, these are all like my, you know, like what, 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 what helps you. So it could be, you know, very different, like Prince. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like there are certain songs that just really like that. That's what that moment needs. And so that's, that's what I'm just like, ah, you know, thank God for the car. Uh, There's a John Prine song. Um, Yeah. Come on home. I used to like walk home from the hospital because I would catch the bus and just like, Sing and cry, you know? <laughs> sing and cry like Rah. I, I have a friend who is a breath worker, mm. and she she talks about it. Just like it's so good to just get it out, you know. We have this stuff in us, and so it's that's one way she does that is through her breath work sessions. But like, it just reminds me of getting it out, letting it go. Yeah. We've got to get it out. One of the things that I've learned is that the most healthy way to go through life is to don't die with regrets. Um, you know, live in such a way that you do not bring harm to others, mm-hmm. um, but that you don't die with regrets. Like that's, you know, yeah. you, you don't want that. Um, if you get a moment when, when, like when we're done, there's, um, it's a short piece. The author is William Soroyan. I don't know how to pronounce the last name, but, um, it's called like in the time of your life. And it's just, all it is is a preface to a book that I've never read, but, um, 
but it, it's just essentially like it's authentic living. I, I think I can link that up in the show notes, maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely, definitely link it up because it's it's incredibly life giving. It's been helpful when I've, um, you know, when the the trauma that we're living through. You can't compare anything to what combat vets have had to go through. You can't. Um, but when I've found that when I provide space for them to talk about their experiences, um, there is deep, deep pain that some of them are able to process in a healing way and some of them are not. Um, and that is a piece of writing that's been helpful um, in some of the work that I've done. Also in just like creating space for people to do what they need to do, as long as it doesn't cause harm to others, you know, like, yeah, if you need to scream, if you need to shout, if you need to sing, if you need to hear a song, like, you know. Hmm. <sighs> oh, I have a, um, uh, this is sort of de definitely to the spiritual realm and also sort of woo woo, but, um, I mean, like, I'm sure there are experiences you've had when people have crossed over, right? That's like significant. Meaning, I mean, it's always significant, I think, but like in the like showing of them actually passing as like a human onto the next space, you know, going to the spiritual realm. Personally, I've seen, I've had like light just shine into the room when it was cloudy, like right the moment the person died. Um, I wow. guess I'm curious. Yeah. I, and I was like, whoa, yeah. what is that? You know? That's um, God. <laughs> I mean, I choose to call it God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I believe it's definitely, so, I mean, I believe in um, that it, probably is God or it's I, in my brain, God is this spirit, this everything mm -hmm. that we think it to me. It's yeah. like, I feel like our God is the same God as everybody, every God over it, ever that every culture believes in, you know, like it's. Gandhi had a wonderful way of putting it. Gandhi said that we are all drinking from the same river. We just use different cups. That's exactly it. That is my belief. And so I don't, I wouldn't say I'm like a, I grew up in an evangelical Christian home. I definitely stepped away from that. But I still believe that this idea that you're, you're right. That's exactly what it is. Um, but it's, yeah, I guess. So you've, obviously you've experienced those things to um do you, and you don't have to but i was wondering if you would mind sharing at least you know like anything that makes you feel i mean you already know that your belief you're rooted in your belief system you're like this is who you are but like i mean there do you believe that there is life after death? I mean, yeah, like, there is. 
Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah. I've I've sat with people with one person in particular who crossed over and came back. You know, what, and what we're talking about essentially is a near-death experience. Yeah. And he was like, you know, I, I can't believe I'm talking about this right now, but it makes sense that I am. So yeah, I can't believe I'm talking about this. Um, he said, you know, I, because this is a man that I visited in the hospital who was like, you know, into his seventies at the point that I saw him and had COPD, but he had, um, he had a, like a really gnarly, and I don't have much of a medical vocabulary, but um, he essentially died as a, like as an 11 year old child. Um, and we're talking like, gosh, what would that have been like the 1940s mm. at that time? <clears throat> um, and he had a very like lucid and scientific explanation for a lot of the things that he saw. He's like, well, this is my, I mean, you could tell like, and we talked about Jung, like we had a couple great visits. He was just like, this is probably why these are the beings that I saw that accompanied me. Oh, wow. And at one point in our visit, he was like, I don't, um, he's like, I stopped, I had to stop talking about this because people were just like, oh, you're crazy. And, you know, <laughs> um, you know, um, but yeah, so there, there is, I think that for us as human beings to try to put that into a box, which is what we do because we're human and it reduces our anxiety to have things that we can control and predict and talk about. When we do that, it's a disservice to our creator. It's a disservice to those that have to continue to live and, and die and struggle. It's a disservice, especially to those who are excluded from that. Like, you know, the greatest fear of rejection at all is fear of rejection from this wonderful uh, afterlife. Right. So, right. so trying to put that into a box, which is what humans by f default do is essentially like the finite mind trying to put the infinite into a mm. box, which I just like, you just can't do it. No, you can't do that. And like, and if you read, if you read scripture carefully, it tells you that, you know, <laughs> like I, uh, my God's big enough for, uh, you know, <laughs> like my God is so big that I'm not really concerned about the way in which other people that even like share my, um, you know, my, my church or my belief or my whatever, I'm not really concerned with the disagreements that they might have with what we would call um, like soteriology or like, you know, what, what eschatology, like what happens at the end or what happens in the, you know, in the afterlife. I'm really not all that concerned about that. What I am concerned with is how I walk through this life mm -hmm. and how mm -hmm. I show my neighbor love with my actions, which is, you know, the greatest commandment of, of Jesus Christ. It's just like, love your neighbor. <laughs> he prioritizes it. He's like, yeah, this is the big thing. Cause people are like, oh, well he said all this and all of that over here. And I'm just like, yes. And what was the priority? Like read the teachings, like what's the priority? Well, love your neighbor. And this is what that man shared with me. It's just one of those like weird experiences where like, what's the meaning of life? Blah, you know, yeah. but he's just like, to learn to love more truly. 
Mm. And I was like, I didn't like, I didn't know that I was gonna talk about that here with you today, but um, I guess that's what I had to do. So, um, and I didn't see him die, but I've mm. seen, you know, I, I stopped counting. There are some care providers and whether they're spiritual care providers or whether they're stat nurses, there are people who have like kept track and they've counted. And like, that's great. Like my, for me, it's just like, whatever it is that helps you get through it, honestly, that helps you to do that work that you're called to do. As long as it's not bringing harm to another person, like do that. Awesome. I personally, like I lost track. I have no idea how many people I've, um, yeah. <laughs> like it's a lot. Um, yeah, but I give that container to God. And that's something that happens through, through prayer. Like that's my process. Like I hiked storm King last, um, you know, just two days ago, it was great. Like out by Lake Crescent on the peninsula, Oh, you know, so that's a process where, yeah, like every morning I meditate and I pray and I do some, do some yoga to make sure that my, my, my back doesn't like crap out on me, but giving all of that to God. I mean, part of it shows up in that I don't remember this stuff, but part of it also shows up in that, like, I don't have nightmares about it. You know? Yeah, that's true. I don't like, I sleep well with, with few exceptions. Like when I don't sleep well, I go out and I like engage in a spiritual practice. I listen to the Psalms. I, you know, light a candle and pray. And I say, um, they call it like the ancient Christians called it the Jesus prayer. It's just, it's essentially like repeating um, but in a really prayerful way, like Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. And that's done, you know, in English or Greek or whatever it is. But like, those are the, you know, so it doesn't happen very often that I can't sleep. But when I can't, like, I go out and do it, you know. I like that rather than just sit in bed and toss and turn. Right. Yeah. Like if you can't sleep, like get out of bed. Like it just, you know, like go, you know, like go, you know engage your body in a healthy way. <laughs> If you can, like, you know, you know. Oh, oh, I feel like I don't remember who it was, if it was uh, Ira Glass or, or I don't remember. Somebody was, oh, it's a writer. It wasn't Ira Glass. Anyway, it's a different person and I'm totally blanking on his name. Uh, oh, Sedaris. Um, mm. Anyway, he <laughs> he was like, we should all just like meet up, you know, in the middle of the night. Those who are like insomni insomniacs, like instead of, you know just like hang out, you know? Um, yeah, you but, um, um, man, Paul. Wow. I am just so blessed that you came on the show today. I, I obviously, I also didn't know what was going to come up and I, and I am just so blessed. And I, sometimes I'm like, I don't know, the universe presents itself in ways and, and you, some of the things you said today, I needed to hear. And I'm sure a lot of other people out there needed to, too. So do, do you, you have, yeah. um, I realize like, are we, is this a hard end? Like we have to, like, I was thinking the, about sort of ending it, but, or in the um, next 10 minutes, what do you, I yeah, I mean, I, like, I don't have to do anything for the next like hour. So, um, but, but really like, you know, if you've just got another 15 minutes, um, what are the things that you didn't 
ask that you know that that you, that you oh. just can't have another i can't have it or like if you want another podcast like i can come back but if there's something yeah. that you feel like the the people listening would really benefit from i know i've got like probably one thing on my own but um just i'd like love to hear from you like what are what's your greatest need from this that hasn't been you know already met I guess, you know, we could go back to this um, idea um, that part of your job is to support us. Mm. And I think we, at least where I am, we really underutilize you Mm. uh, in that way. And I think it's because we're too busy. We don't want to burden you like we, you know. Yeah. What are your thoughts about that? I think a lot of it goes back to uh, consent. And knowing that we see you. Mm. And um, we get that like you're busy and you're tired and you're quitting. And for months, like you were afraid that you were going to get your kids sick. We see that. We're here for you. Like we don't take it personally when you don't like call the chaplain for like a five minute check-in. Although like when, (laughs) when, when you do do that, it's a great gift to us. And it sounds like it also is for, for you, but every human being is different. And some human beings just don't do what we're doing right now. And that's okay. Um, We see you and we seek to hold up a mirror to you to remind you that um, this world is a better place because of what you have done. You have um, given tenderness and dignity and respect and love to people who didn't get to hold hands with their child, their father, their mother, their spouse at the end of their life. You gave them in so many moments You gave them a good death. And in so many moments, you gave your own life. We know how many, you know, people aren't here right now. Like I said, open up the show. Like, so, um, we know that it's not okay. And like, you know, if you, (laughs) if it's helpful to you to utilize your spiritual care provider, please do. That is also what we're here for. It's a huge part of what we're here for. Um, You know, but don't feel like you have to. (laughs) Like, you know, like, um, this is, this is an invitation rooted in, in your own consent and that's necessary for your healing. Yeah. So, you know, know what your own song is 
and sing it, ask for it to be sung or listen to it, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, um, um, thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Are there, what's going on in this moment? Um, uh, in this moment in the world, in this moment in history, is demanding um, solidarity and courage. And um, yeah, and one of the most powerful ways that that's done throughout the ages is often with, you know, music. And so um, I'm thinking about the, you know, the, the 13 um, soldiers who told the Russian warship to fuck off before they died. I'm thinking of the woman who brought seeds of her national flower to the Russian soldier who probably didn't want to be there. Yeah. And said, you are cursed. And I'm thinking about the fact that this moment is calling to us that are living through it. Uh, to stand up together and to hold each other and to sing out. Um, and I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, his name is, I think, Jean Sibelius, who wrote, um, it's Finlandia. In English, it's translated as, uh, this is my song. But it's... Um, it's essentially the Finnish national anthem, but it's very, very different than, than most national anthems. And it comes from their own, um, their own country's experience with a Russian invasion in 1939. And they, they said, you, you know, they, they banded together and they won. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, and that was a song that we sang in church yesterday and um, it's one that a lot of people ask for it at the end of their life Hmm. Um, and yeah I was thinking about that uh, coming into this yeah I wonder if you um, wouldn't mind just, um, I don't know. Um, Would you like to hear it? Yeah. Okay. This is my song, O God of all the nations. A song of peace 
for lands afar and mine. This is my home, the country where my heart is. Here are my hopes, my dreams, my holy shrine. But other hearts in other lands are beating with hopes and dreams as true and high as mine. My country's skies are bluer than the ocean and sunlight beams on clover leaf and pine. But other lands have sunlight too and clover, and skies are everywhere as blue as mine. So hear my song, O God of all the nations, a song of peace for their land and for mine. This is my prayer. O God of all earth's kingdoms, your kingdom come on earth, your will be done. O God, be lifted up till all shall serve you and hearts united learn to live as one. So hear my prayer, O God of all the nations, myself I give you, let your will be done. Thank you so much, Paul. I think that's it. <laughs> Thank you. I am again bawling and crying, but I. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. In in like in the rooms, we will bring you a tissue. Like one of the biggest questions that I ask during codes is like, where's the tissue? <laughs> <laughs> where's the tissue i know <laughs> it's true i'm like oh i'm like sometimes i'm like okay gotta go grab a, grab a box of tissue stat and i run it in the room <laughs> um wow i i i i just want to say to the 
I'm obviously we're all thinking about the people in Ukraine, so it's yeah. This that song's being played a lot right now. Um, there's some, you know, so share it. It's just like fucking share share that song. There's a really really moving one that's done like in the language that it was written in Finnish, mm-hmm. where a group of like Finnish people do kind of like a flash mob thing. Uh, yeah. And I just think back to what you said. It's like, love thy neighbor, right? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. The only compelling and effective way I've seen to fight evil is with love. That's what our scriptures even say. Do not be overcome by evil, but rather overcome evil with good yeah and that's what i see that's what i've seen like the last two years at the hospital oh well we've i know we've certainly tried oh man (laughs) it doesn't feel like it (laughs) like that's okay that it doesn't feel like it because grief is love unfinished right i remember that that quote was like one of the most powerful, like simple ways to understand grief. It's just like love is grief is love unfinished. So it's, it's okay that it's not okay. <laughs> like if that yeah. makes sense, you know what I mean? It like does. it's like, <laughs> it does. I, your gift. I just am grateful to have had this conversation with, with you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah thank you like if this is the first time i've done a podcast so when katrina asked me to come on i was like oh my gosh like what do i do i get up like man i'll just be like man. <laughs> i mean you know it's this is the the show really is just like this free flowing conversation and experience and and in my hopes and in i'm sure you uh, my hope is that something said said today here was meaningful to somebody and I feel like a lot of it was and I'm just blessed that Katrina introduced me to you and I'm blessed you know meeting you and I I just uh, seem like a really cool human oh thank you and I don't think we violated HIPAA so like no we didn't I'm not going to lose my job. (laughs) I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm going to say like the wrong thing and she's going to have to edit it and we're not going to be able to use it. It's just going to be all terrible. (laughs) It's all great. It's all great. It's so good. I'm just, yeah. And And I can share this, right? Of course. Okay, cool. Um, And I don't think like, I think if people from my church like heard me say fuck, I think it would be like, it would be like, no, like, it's okay. We understand. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So this will come out. So let's see what, so today is Monday. Um, This will come out Thursday. Today is Monday, 28th. Yeah. So I'll edit it down and get it out on Thursday. Dude, that's like, how do you do that? That's real. Like, like, yeah, that is effective. You are effective. How do you do it? Uh, I just, um, I've learned an, uh, an editing software and I just yeah. download it and then I put the pieces together and so they're in time and I snip stuff out and I make, and then I, anyway, it took me a long time. Excuse me, I'm. 
no, no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> My God. Anyway, um, I will reach. I'll tag you in the posts, and I'll let cool. people follow my listeners, you know, figure out how to follow you. I mean, I'll tag you, meaning like so they can find you and um, on cool. social media. And I'll I'm bad you. with that. Like, I, I only, I technically have an Instagram account. I never use it. I'm on Facebook. I show up on Facebook pretty regularly, okay. but you know, and I'll I'm, email you all the links and stuff to the sh- to the podcast so you can listen to it and send it off to your family would it be okay if i had one original like full length like for myself just for my family like so we can have this is the unedited abridged like full hour and 30 minutes where you know dad and (laughs) did this of course cool okay yeah i probably and truthfully i'm not gonna edit it much because oh wow I feel like it was so beautiful and and on you know i might edit a couple times where i've sniffled Uh oh well that's okay (laughs) like it's good when people hear other people cry, they have permission to cry. That's one of the things that we like as chaplains that we learn. We're just like, it's okay to cry. It's actually good for you to yeah. cry. Like, don't lose control because then the people get confused and they're like, oh my gosh, now I have to take care of the chaplain. It's like, <laughs> but, right. um, but anyway. Yeah, I should say like this show, I do cry almost every week, which okay. I'm like, I but <laughs> I don't mean, I don't intend to, but I feel like there's always something that comes up that is like so beautiful and so special and like heartwarming or just whatever it is and um I was thinking again like think the listeners it's like this is your weekly therapy session yeah no like thank you I've listened to I was just like I'm so glad that you are doing this so I hope that this continues to like gain traction so that because people need this yeah They they need what you're doing it's just like, let's talk about the real, real, mm-hmm. let's talk about the real, real, you yeah. know? And, um, and this really is a podcast for, I mean, for healthcare professionals. So people who, anybody who falls under that bucket and then also anybody else wants to listen to is totally fine. But like, it started off as like this, I wanted it to be like a funnier podcast and it's <laughs> ended up having these like really in-depth conversations because, there's a lot of funny things there, but it's because there's some pain behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, any last, cl- Oh, can you, can you just round us out with, um, settling us down with the, yeah. Bowl, yeah. how you did in the beginning. And then, yeah. so, yeah. um, um, in, um, in the Hebrew tradition that, um, Christians inherit we hear the final blessing that I have you know laid my hand on the foreheads of so so many people and said um may your creator God bless you and keep you May God cause God's face to shine on you and be gracious to you. And may that great spirit look upon you with favor and give you peace.
Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave an honest review on whatever platform you are listening. Also, feel free to share this with your nursing colleagues. If you'd like to email me, you can do so at founddownpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to send in any stories. Just make sure they're HIPAA compliant. Also, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at founddownpodcast. We'll see you on the next one. Thank you.